Welcome, welcome to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1, featuring Bay Area Sports Insight. Now, here's your host, Jimmy B. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the Jimmy B Sports Show. I'm your host, Jim Barron. Today is Saturday, the 21st of January. It's 10 a.m., the new time. Thank you all for joining the show, and hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleep today. You're welcome. Lots to get to. We'll be talking about the NFL games both today and tomorrow, and about the Bucks, why they're not playing, what they need to do next, and what happened. The number here is 877-448-7901. Sports at power901.com is the email. If you want to check in that way, we'll be right back to kick off the show on Power 90.1. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? Stop overpaying and call right now. Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-750-9886. 800-750-9886. 800-750-9886. That's 800-750-9886. Now, now, back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome back to the show. Hopefully everyone had a great week and is going to have an even better weekend, especially watching some NFL football. We have two playoff games today, which we're going to break down, the Jacksonville-Kansas City game, and then the Giants and Philly later on tonight. And, of course, two more games tomorrow uh, Cincy and Buffalo is the early one, and then Dallas and San Francisco in the second one. Four good games there this weekend, and not so good this past week with the Bucks. If you had a chance to watch the Bucks game on Monday night, and Dallas came to town. Hopefully, you are in a better mood now than you were when you're watching that game. If you're a Bucks fan, we're going to break that game down. What it means for the Bucks going forward. Um, several people lost their job, not just as a result of that game, but as a culmination of this season. I believe several more should be gone as well, but we're going to talk about that. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about the two games today. You do have Jacksonville and Kansas City going at 4.30. What a matchup that's going to be. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, has never lost a game on a Saturday. How about that? He was 32-0 at Clemson. He was 3-0 in high school at Cartersville High School, I believe, in Georgia. And then 2-0 with Jacksonville so far. So he's 37-0 playing on a Saturday. So I guess the NFL did not do the Chiefs any favors by having this game later on today. But we'll see how that works out. You had Jacksonville who had a great comeback last week if you watched that game and they looked terrible in the first half, came back in the second half and took care of business. So if you look at what's going on with Jacksonville right now, you have a team that can put points on the board, but they can also turn the ball over. Lawrence had four interceptions 
in the first half, and then he had four touchdown passes the rest of the game. I think he had one at the end of the first half, and then he had three others in the second half. So, you know, who knows? It it might take uh, 40 points for one of these teams to win this game because you have not just him on one side of the ball, but you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. So they can put up 400, 500 yards on any given week if the defense allows that. So you may see a game that comes down to the uh, end of the game, see who's going to kick a field goal, or Kansas City could just be too much for them and take advantage of some turnovers that I'm sure are going to be there like they were against the Chargers. What do you think? The number is 877-448-7901. You can go to jimmybsports.com. Shoot me an email right from the website. Let me know your thoughts on any of the games last week and what do you think is going to happen this week? I think if you watched the game last week with Jacksonville, they had some great pressure on the quarterback, which really led to them beating the Chargers in that game. They sacked Justin Herbert three times in the game last week. And I think that when you have a quarterback like Mahomes running around in the backfield, it's really tough to bring someone like that down. And when you do put pressure on him, more times than not, he can either scramble for a first down or he can find someone, usually someone by the name of Kelsey, for a first down down the field. So I think that they really need to find a way to isolate Christian Kirk against man coverage, which the Chiefs threw at Lawrence like 66.7% of the time in those uh, regular season meetings. And I think that when you break this game down, you're going to have a playoff inexperienced Jacksonville team going against a tried and true playoff team in the Chiefs. And I would have to say that for as good of a season as Jacksonville had, they'll be around for a couple years to come. I look for the Chiefs to win this game by a touchdown, um, maybe 10 points, but I'm going to say 37-27. And I think they're going to just be too much for Jacksonville, and they're going to hand Trevor Lawrence his first ever Saturday loss. We'll see what happens. That's the first game. The second game is going to be at 8.15 tonight, and you have the Giants, who are a number six seed, playing at Philadelphia, who is a one seed. The road to the NFC Championship goes through Philly if they can hold serve. Uh, Giants had momentum. I've I've got to say that they had a 31-24 upset win over the Vikings last week. If you saw that one, while the Eagles are trying to get back to their dominant form, finishing week, they struggled to the finish line. They finished uh, one and two the last several games of the season. And of course, that be, that's because the right shoulder of Jalen Hurts was not 100% during that last game when they played. Ironically, that was against the Giants, too. They did win, but it was against the Giants' second and third string. So it's going to be a totally different game today. Um, Jalen Hurts is not on any injury reports. He's saying that it's 100%. Uh, We're going to see, because I'm going to say this. If Jalen Hurts is 100%, and if he played the way that he played during the regular season, then I think that the Eagles should be able to go ahead and win this game 
by you know, 10 points, maybe even two touchdowns if he's 100%. However, if he's not 100%, and that means he's not going to be able to get the ball to A.J. Brown, Goddard might not be able to get open if he's scrambling. And when you have a bad shoulder, when you have an injury like that, all it takes is one, one tackle or landing the wrong way one time, and that could really throw a, a wrench into the whole game plan. So when you have the team on the other side, you have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones with the Giants. He's he's looking really good. I think that uh, the games that he has had last week, he looked as good as I have seen him play probably the whole season. Can you do that against a much tougher Eagles defense? Well, that remains to be seen. Don't forget, it's going to be hard to beat the same team three times in the same season, which is um, what the Eagles would do by winning tonight. So you have a Giants team that's riding some momentum, you know, coming down the, the interstate there to, to go to Lincoln Park, Lincoln Financial Park there, and it's going to be a great matchup. These two teams know each other probably as well as any teams in the NFL, being in the same division, playing twice a year. They have a long history that goes back. The fans in Philly are going to definitely be raucous there. They're going to be, that whole place is going to be on a, you know, on alert for a lot of things going on. I can't believe the NFL has given Philly fans the opportunity to have a night game to give them 12-hour head start drinking some beers there. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a good game. And I do think that when it's all said and done, Philly is the better team. Better team doesn't always win, mind you, but they are the better team. And I think that if the Giants come in and play a anything but perfect game, then they're going to be susceptible to the all-around play of Philly. And I do look for the Eagles to win, I'm going to say, 34-14. Going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to break down the two games that are going to be played tomorrow, as well as talk about the Bucks, what they did, what they didn't do this past week, and what they need to do going forward. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are in the gymnasium on Power 90.1. The Property Shop, your one-stop shop for all of your real estate needs. Looking for homes for sale or rent in the Tampa market? Text HOMES to 71441. That's HOMES to 71441. The Property Shop is a full-service realty and management company with a team of partners to give you that extra peace of mind. The Property Shop is truly your one-stop shop, providing stellar service in all areas of realty. And right now, new home buyers will receive a one-year home protection warranty for that extra peace of mind on your next big purchase. More info online at the Property shopusa.com or 813-655-5000. Now, now, back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Welcome back, sports fans. Talking a little bit about the games tomorrow before we get to the Bucks. I want to say that looking at the four games this weekend, the one thing that strikes me is that all of the eight teams that are in the games this weekend have really built a core 
uh, team. When I say that, they've done it either through drafts or trades or um, getting the right people for the long haul versus a win it right now mentality, which is what it seems to be going the last several years. Um, talk about the Bucks; They went all in two years ago by getting Brady down here and whatnot. Um, then they kind of fell apart. You look at the Rams two years ago. They won everything, and now you have... Um, the coach out there, McVeigh, might not even be around, but he's coming back. But the point I'm trying to get is that the teams that are playing this weekend are strong nucleuses of teams that were built through the draft process, free agent trades and whatnot, not just win it all right now type of mentality. So we talked about the two games that are going to be later on today. Tomorrow's game starts, of course, um, it's going to be the Bengals at the Bills, a three seed with the Cincinnati and a number two with Buffalo. That's at Buffalo. If you remember, these two teams met in Cincinnati and that was the game was uh, postponed and then canceled because of uh, DeMar Hamlin suffering cardiac arrest there on the field in the first quarter. So uh, both of the teams you know, come into the game riding long win streaks. You got the Bengals and the Bills. Uh, Bengals, I think of one nine bills of one eight. So you're going to have two teams here that uh, can put some points on the board. They're playing, of course, in Buffalo. Buffalo's four and zero in home playoff games under McDermott. The well, the Bengals have won two playoff road games since twenty 2020, twenty in twenty twenty one. The big thing in this game, of course, there's going to be a lot of emotions seeing these two teams on the field again after what happened with Hamlin a couple weeks ago. But once that's once the game starts being played, of course, it's going to get down to which of these two teams is going to be able to force turnovers and thus have the fewest amount of turnovers. They have forced 11 turnovers in the postseason. I'm talking about the Bengals now, uh, dating to last year's wildcard win over the Raiders. Josh Allen, as you know, he has a tendency of turning the ball over at a pretty high clip there. So Cincinnati's defense is going to try to bait him into some risky plays. It's going to come down to whether or not Allen takes that bait and try to make some plays that aren't there or if he's going to rely on his overall athletic ability and go out there and um, you know run for some first downs and let the defense do their thing and get the crowd in the game, keep the crowd in the game for the whole um, for the whole game there. So this is going to be a really good one. I think that it can go either way, even though Buffalo's favored by uh, I think five and a half points the last time I saw it. It would not surprise me at all if Cincinnati makes it a very close game and it, and it comes down to the end. I will say this, it just seems to me the way everything transpired with uh the events in Buffalo this year. If you're not a sports fan at all, I'm sure that there are a lot of people cheering for Buffalo. I think they had a shooting out there earlier in the year. Of course, they had the snowstorm that really did a, uh, a lot of damage to the area and took several lives as well. And then the Hamlin incident on in front of so many football fans watching the game. I think all those things combined have a lot of people rooting for Buffalo and it just seems as though the cards are kind of falling in place for them 
And just as an FYI, if Buffalo and Kansas City both win, that game is going to be at a neutral field. I believe it's going to be in Atlanta, which is a plus for Buffalo again, because typically it uh, should have been in Kansas City, the one seed. But because of that um, incident that happened earlier, it's going to be at a neutral field, which... I think that's what the NFL wants anyway. I think going forward, you're going to see more NFC, AFC championship games being played on neutral fields just to be able to go out there and garnish more income and revenue for these owners. That's just a sidebar there. But back to the game, I think Cincinnati receiver Jamar Chase, he's going to have a huge game. He needs to have a good game if since he's going to win. I think he has nine straight games or something like that with at least seven receptions. And you know, on the other side of the ball, you have Stephon Diggs. So so, you know, he's had 300-yard receiving games in the playoffs with the Bills, and I think he's going to have another good game. I look for both of these teams to go out there and um, play solid games. I don't think you're going to see a lot of flags in this game. I think the referees are going to let them go out there and play the game. I do think, like I said earlier when we talked about this game in the beginning, that it's going to come down to um, attrition and who has that untimely turnover or who can recover um, a special team's fumble or punt recovery or, or take it back to the house. I do look when it's all said and done, I think that Buffalo will win this game, but it's going to come down to a field goal and that could go either way. So uh, if you're a Cincy fan, I think you have a very good chance of winning this game as well. The second game, which will be at 6.30 tomorrow, is going to be the Cowboys, who, as you know, did a number on the Bucks this past Monday. They'll be at San Francisco, the number two seed. Uh, the line that I see recently is minus four. San Fran's favored, and I think that's a little low. I really think that San Francisco is probably the team with the most momentum coming into this round, into the division round. I think that it didn't matter that they lost Garoppolo. Brock Purdy has passed every test so far that has put before him. And although the uh, Cowboys defense, they are a good defense, don't get me wrong. I don't think that it's something that the 49ers offense aren't going to be able to overcome. Um, like I said, Purdy has handled the pressure well. I think that when push comes to shove, it really helps when you have a Christian McCaffrey that can either run the ball or catch the ball out of the backfield. Though so you have Debo Samuels there, you have Kittles as a tight end. They have a lot of weapons that they can go to. And I think that if Purdy's able to keep his head back there, he'll handle what Dallas throws at him. And I think that if he's able to do that, the defense, you now you have Nick Bosa there, um, he's going to be able to lead San Fran's defense again against Dak. You're not going to see Prescott doing what he did this past week against Tampa Bay. I pretty much bet on that. And I think that on the other side, of course, you do have Michael Parsons with Dallas. Um, but you can double team him. And I think that San Fran has the people in the right places on that team to be able to go out there and win this game. I'm saying that San Fran goes out there and I look for them to uh, win the game by at least a at least a touchdown, 
maybe even 10 points. I don't think that Dallas will be able to keep up with San Fran. Uh, the defense is just too tough for San Francisco. So those are my uh, breakdowns of the two games today and two games tomorrow. Would love to hear your input on what you think. Feel free to give me a call, 877-448-7901, JimmyBSports.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think, if you agree with the predictions, if you think I'm totally wrong. Of course, that's perfectly okay. Love to hear your thoughts. We're coming right back to break down the bucks. You're in the gymnasium on Power 90.1. Here's a real life story that affects 50% of all of us out there. It's called divorce. If you've gotten divorced and now you're struggling to pay your bills and your credit card debts are completely out of control, you need to call this special debt relief hotline right now. We help people with all kinds of money problems caused by different life challenges, a divorce, a job loss, even heavy medical bills. Paid for by Debt.com. Call now at 800-810-4086. 800-810-4086. That's 800-810-4086. Now. Back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Welcome back, sports fans. All right, let's get to the Bucks. Anyone that watched the game on Monday night against Dallas saw a totally different game than they saw back in September when we beat the Cowboys 19-3 in what was probably our most balanced game of the season. Uh, maybe the one in London, but for the most part, that first game was a, was one of our better ones. We lost the game on Monday night, 31-14, to and quite honestly, it wasn't even that close. Um, we really got crushed on both sides of the ball. What surprised me most about that game is... I'm not going to say the team quit, but there was no spark in that team after the turnover in the first quarter when Brady threw the ball into the hands of a Dallas uh, D-back in the end zone as he was trying to throw it away after a first and five on the Dallas's five-yard line. So other than the first series where our defense was out there and we shut down Dallas, um, our defense was pretty inept as well most of the game. I, I don't believe that it was... Uh, one of their better games. And again, the lack of enthusiasm on both sides of the ball has shown not just in the game this past Monday, but throughout the whole eight and nine regular season that we played. I want to give you a stat here, a couple stats. The 32 teams in the NFL, what do you think the Bucks were on that list one to 32 for rushing yards? They were last. They were 32nd. Um, 32 teams. We were the worst team running the football all year long. One of the things that I've said, to be able to win a playoff game, you need to do two things. You need to stop the other team from running the ball, and you need to be able to run the ball yourselves. So we weren't able to run the ball in this game or any other game this past season. Points. We averaged 18.4 points a game. Now that's down. We used to score 30, 31 points back in 2020, 2021. That dropped from 30 to 31 down to 18.4. 
and we're giving up 21 points a game. So when you give up 18, when you give up 22 points a game and score 18 points a game, what does that tell you? It tells you that you're right around 500, maybe a little bit less, which is what we wore, eight and nine. The numbers don't lie. So now the question comes, why? As you know by now, offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich was relieved of his duties this past week, along with, I think, five other coaches of various positions. One of the things that surprised me a little bit was that the coaches that did not get fired had to do with the running game, which was the worst in the NFL. So for them to keep those coaches in place for now, I think that it tells me that they plan on creating an offensive game plan next year that's going to incorporate running the ball, which is what you need to do to have a balanced offense in the NFL, or it becomes the NFL not-for-long league for someone like Leftwich. Now, has Leftwich forgot how to coach overnight? Don't forget, he was on the team in 2020 when we won the uh, the whole thing. No, he didn't forget. So what happened? Is it Bowles, the new head coach? It's ultimately his responsibility to put the right people in place. Or is it Arians? Arians is the one that put Bowles, confirmed him as the new uh, you know, head coach, kept Leftwich there as well. Was Arians in the background? Here's what I think. There's enough blame to go around for everyone, every aspect on this team. And people have asked me in the last several weeks during the season, and especially after the embarrassment on Monday night, sum up the Bucs season in one word. And I'm going to tell you, that one word to me is disconnected. This team has been disconnected for most of the season. And it starts it starts back last December, if you remember, when Brady said that he is uh he was talking with the Miami Dolphins last December. It's very well documented. He was down there. There was a an issue that the league had with some tampering. The Dolphins talking to Brady possibly about coming there to play and then having some type of ownership in the team after his playing days because you cannot be a player and an owner uh, at the same time. So that started last December. Then if you remember, Brady decided he was going to retire. Um, then he unretired, decided to come back, more disconnection, if you will, from the team. Then uh, training camp, he had to have the 11 days off, uh, have going through some issues there in his personal life with the divorce and everything else. So again, more disconnection. And then on the field, if you looked at the offense during the season, you looked at him, look at him and Mike Evans, for example, what better case do you need for disconnection watching those two? They used to always be on the same page. Now, for some reason, Evans can't figure out what route to run. Brady can't get the ball to him. He doesn't know where he's going. And to be honest with you, a lot of times Brady doesn't have the time to get the ball and to wait the extra second or two until Evans or anyone else, Godwin, Gage, if you will. By the way, Gage is going to be okay. Um, He does have a concussion, but no problems with his neck or anything, which is a good thing after that scary moment in the game. But whether it's Gage getting open, if you want to look at... um, 
Uh, whatever it might be, the ball just didn't get to these players as it has in the past. Brady's 45 years old. Now, am I blaming everything on Brady? No, I'm not. Like I said, there's enough blame to go around for everyone in this organization. You can start with Todd Light if you want, work your way down, whatever it might be. The Glaciers typically don't fire first-year coaches, which is Bowles is, for all intents and purposes, even though he was a head head coach previously with the Jets in some capacity a while ago. Um, Not much success in that organization when he was there, by the way. So... Where do you want to start? Uh, you can, they were so dependent. Here's what's, here's what's matter with the Bucks offense and why I think Leftwich was a scapegoat and, and got fired. Because the Bucks are so dependent on such high level exact execution. They're so behind the times. They're behind the times, uh, the new age football. They have an archaic approach, no motion. We can go down the line on this team. So as Brady ages and his physical abilities diminish, which is only natural as time takes over, it's going to be more up to the creativity of the coaches around him to come up with some plays. And this organization with these coaches, Bowles, Leftwich, whoever you want to name, they had a very, very poor Organizational skills, very, very poor uh, inspirational skills and a very poor game plan coming up with new plays. It's, it's They're behind the times with the rest of these teams in the NFL right now. So saying that they had to make a decision on what to do, I'm sure that part of Leftwich going is in order to lure Brady to staying for another year or whatever it might be. And here's, no, here's what it comes down to. Again, we're being held, the team is being held hostage until Brady decides what he wants to do. So with a new offensive coordinator coming in, is he going to want to bring his own coaches with him, uh, keep the ones that we have in place, the ones that are left? Like I said, on the running side of the ball, which is a little bit of a surprise to me, they've kept those, and maybe it's just a short-term thing until the new offensive coordinator gets here. But when you go from scoring 61 touchdowns to 31 touchdowns, I I think that you need to look at what the heck you're doing on the offensive side of the ball. A coach makes his money in this league designing third down plays and designing plays in the red zone. We were pathetic in the red zone all year long. We couldn't score from inside the 20 to save our lives most, most games. Third downs, you know, it was it was a battle to get the third down. It was a battle. Bowles wanted to run the ball. Brady wanted to pass the ball. Guess who has the decision at the line of scrimmage? That's right. So Brady led the league in pass attempts and completions again. How about that? Well, what did that get us? It got us knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, which we didn't even belong in the playoffs with the eight and nine record to begin with, except the fact that the NFC South division was so weak that we were able to sneak in there. So what's it going to come down to is this organization has to go in a direction to build, like I talked about the teams in the playoffs that are still playing whether it's the 49ers, the Eagles, whether it's the Bills or the Chiefs, they've strong foundations, strong organization, and they've acquired things throughout the 
last several years getting ready. What have we done? We just got older, quite honestly. Who did we, who did we pick up? What have we done differently? Nothing. So, like I said, we're going to lose some players. I think we're going to lose Fournette. I think we're going to lose Suckup uh, and probably Braid as well. Question is, should Brady come back and play, period? And if he does decide to continue to play, should he be here in a Buccaneers uniform come next year? Quite honestly, I'm okay with him not being here next year so we can start the building process because this whole team needs to be taken apart and put back together with the right building blocks in place and build a team that is going to be able to sustain over not just next year, but the year after that and the year after that. So we're being held hostage right now until Brady decides what he wants to do. Is he going to come back and play? Is he going to go play someplace else? People say, well, you know, West Coast, uh, he's from California, so maybe the 49ers, maybe the Raiders in Vegas. Well, his family's here on the East Coast. His kids are here on the East coast so he probably wants to stay closer on the east coast i would think although in this day and age it doesn't really matter if you're 3200 miles away you jump on his private jet and you know get there overnight so i don't think that's the biggest thing do we want to pay a 45 year old quarterback the kind of money that he's going to be looking for well from a business standpoint the bucks probably want to do that so that they don't have to eat what they have agreed to so there you go again brady's a good businessman and he knows that he's pretty much calling the shots the question is do you want him calling the shots for your team the way that he performed this year don't get me wrong brady has all the accolades he has he has more rings than and J-Lo. So he has done a great job over the years. Is he the, the GOAT, the best of all time at that position? Probably is as a quarterback. But again, this is now. What have you done for me lately? All right. The good quarterbacks, the good athletes in their profession know when to walk away. Should he have walked away last year? I don't know. You can look at it that way. <clears throat> There's a lot to be said. His life would surely be different or most certainly be different if he decided to stay retired instead of unretiring and come back again i'll talk about disconnected what happened to that situation with him during the season off the field disconnection no doubt so we have to get reconnected going into the 2023 season and how that's going to happen well your guess is as good as mine right now i think that what has to happen is that the bucks make a decision on which way they want to go and they're the team they're the ones that are in charge of what's going on you really don't let the inmates run the asylum and i don't care who is on that team you let them know how it's going to be it's your team you're the executive on the team Make the decision. If you want Brady to come back, you say to him, you want him to come back. What does it take to get you back? And when you do come back, here's what we're going to do. And if any of those square pigs don't fit in the square holes, then you stop talking and you move on. There are other quarterbacks out there. You put the right, you put the right foundation, the right structure in place. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, i.e. Brock Purdy in San Francisco. That team was put together well and someone like Brock Purdy, the last person in the draft, can step in and get as far as they have. Hats off to him and that organization as a whole. 
But getting back to the Bucks, I think it's been a learning experience for the team this year, for the Bucks fans, and an example of what not to do going forward. So I do look for the Bucks to be able to, they always have some surprises. I think that we'll probably see some surprises in the next couple of weeks. And we'll go on from there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. 877-448-7901. JimmyBSports.com is the website. Check out all the sports, all the sports news on there. We'll be right back to keep the show going in the gymnasium. Macaulay Fine Jewelry in the heart of Brandon has some exciting news. We will soon be in a new location in order to serve our valued customers even better. But don't worry, our new location is easy to find. Just in the building behind our current location in what was formerly Carson's Optical at 201 South Kings Avenue. Same great staff, same great service and selection. And remember, now's the time to stop by our showroom and shop Macaulay Fine Jewelry for Valentine's Day for that special person in your life. That's Macaulay Fine Jewelry in the heart of Brandon. Now, now, back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Welcome back, Lightning fans. 3 o'clock today, Lightning and the Flames should be a good game. The Lightning have won 5 out of the last 6, 9 out of the last 12 games. They're really playing well, and it was so awesome to see Stamkos score his 500th career goal this week. It was the first period against Vancouver, so congratulations, Stammer. Uh, he had actually had a hat trick in that game, and I'll tell you what, for as happy as the team was, obviously, the fans in Vancouver were just as uh, appreciative of him. This is a guy right now, if you want to talk about class acts on and off the field or ice or whatever that they play in, whatever athletes you're talking about, Stamkos is one of those guys, if, if not on the top of that list. The way he goes out there, he handles himself. And what stands out in my mind with Stamkos is when he had the opportunity in 2016 to go to play for his hometown, Toronto, the Leafs up there. Don't forget, that's where he's from, and it's every Canadian boy's dream growing up to play for the Maple Leafs. And when he had that opportunity, he chose to stay down here in Tampa, and because of that, we have had so much success during his tenure here. So, um, and again, after the game, he spoke, he thanked his teammates for their help and support. And, you know, Cooper's you know, very appreciative as well. It's just a class act. And this whole organization, uh, no, no one's perfect, but this organization is um, built, I think, from top to bottom with a lot of class. So again, congratulations to Kevin, to, to uh, Stephen Stamkos. Congratulations to the Lightning team. Continue playing the way you are. Catch the game today if you can and keep the streaks going here. Guys, that's all the time we have. So our first broadcast at 10 a.m., the new time slot. Looking forward to talking to you next week at the same time. As always, thank you for your emails, your support, your questions, your concerns. Keep them coming and we'll keep addressing them. As always, stay safe, stay vigilant, and above all, stay positive. We'll talk to you next week in the gymnasium. Have a great day.